By rattling snake and bullfrogs croak, the singing robin and jackalope. By howling coyote and gator's snout, to the crossroads we dance about. Welcome to Southern Bramble, a podcast of crooked ways. Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast, so if you want to see Austin and I get extra spicy with special guest hosts, head on over to patreon.com backslash Southern Bramble. If you subscribe, you'll get early access to podcast episodes, recorded video, monthly spell, sigil, or recipe outlines. You'll get to also ask listener questions. And if you join the top tier, you'll be acknowledged at the end of each episode. So please, if you'd like to support us, check us out on Patreon. I promise you won't regret it. This is Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram. And today we have a very special guest with us. Um, they are known as Chaotic Witch Aunt on Instagram. If you all would please welcome uh, Frankie to the chat. Hi, Frankie. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little Could bit you- about yourself. A little bit about myself. Uh, I am Chaotic Witch Aunt on a lot of platforms. I have YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I'm a folk practitioner slash eclectic witch. I like to mix it up. I'm not really sure what I am anymore. Um, And yeah, I've been doing social media TikTok for about a year, gained a platform of 1.3 million on TikTok and another large amount on Instagram, which I currently forget. Um, And yeah, I'm just overall very happy to be here. So I didn't know that you had that large of a following. Like, yeah, okay, so for big. everybody, <laughs> so for everyone listening, so Frankie and I don't know each other, but I like ever since I discovered their Instagram, because you all know I, I don't have TikTok, um, I was like, oh my God, they're like so cute. And I really like their name. And so like before the podcast started, we were like chatting a little bit and we were kind of just like having a little gushing session over each other it was really cute um but yeah hi (laughs) yeah it's very substantial and honestly I'm the person that's like don't get TikTok because you're either gonna get really sucked into it or you're gonna hate it like there's no in between at all um but yeah it's pretty it's pretty large it's very overwhelming I don't like to think about it too much because then I'm like (gasps) a lot of people (laughs) but yeah yeah I definitely understand that. Um, Cause since I, like I told you, I discovered, just, I discovered you. Yeah. <laughs> I, discovered, <laughs> I discovered you on TikTok during quarantine. And like, I, I don't know, I was so grateful how playful you were with not only your craft, but your TikToks. You showed that there was a really fun side to doing witchcraft and and in paganism, not just witchcraft, but a, a large focus on paganism. And I do find that so many of the different types of TikToks that I see about witchcraft are very much like you know hold my head stab the lemon what it is yeah you know (laughs) like all these different types of 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 different things that were just like close-ups of 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 incense sticks and bottles and then like lots of jars so many jar spells and I'm, I love a good jar spell every now and again, but they have their purpose. I saw a cord cutting jar spell once and I just went- A what? A cord cutting jar spell. All right, I'm trying to think about how that would work. It doesn't, I don't it's see a little how that would an- work. 
It's a little antithetical, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yes. because jars, if you're sealing something in and yeah, you're closing mm-hmm. it in and cord cutting is to get rid of something. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe oh, two jars two jars <laughs> maybe two jars you could put one you could put i guess you could put like the candle wax from the person you're trying to get rid of like in the jar and then if you want you can put them in the freezer like in a river like that may work i but... guess i don't know but so when i found yours it was very refreshing and i was very grateful too um and then of course uh, um connecting on instagram has been yeah. super fun so i'm i'm happy to have you here Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I think that's the third time I've said that, but three is my lucky <laughs> number. So, yeah. Well, will you mind telling us a little bit about your childhood? Like, oh, what, boy. Yeah. what <laughs> brought you to the Frankie BC before us? We like to ask, I... what's your childhood trauma before, mm-hmm. before oh everybody <laughs> breaks in? I had a real, I think I had a relatively normal childhood. Um, I was severely anxious. So most of my childhood was punctuated by that. Like I had a weird fear of fire trucks. Um, I was very convinced fire trucks were going to run me over. Uh, I don't know where that came from, but it was, it's funny looking back on it now. But when I was a kid, I was like, oh, the fire truck's going to hit me. Even if I wasn't anywhere near a fire truck. Um, but for the I live most right part, by a firehouse too. So I'm just kind of like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, that was irrational, but it was there. Um, I think when I was a kid, I have like three things that I remember doing the most. And the first one is like having being anxious. The second one was reading a lot. I read literally everything, and I used to keep tallies of how many books I could read in a in a year. And my most was about a hundred. Um, I hit like I kept down how much I could do Um, I was a warrior cats kid so I ran around the playground pretending I was a cat um, and having all that fun stuff Um, and yeah I like read Harry Potter anything I get my hands on I read a lot of bad books too but I still think that I kind of keep up that like trying to read everything even if I don't have the time it's very much accurate to how I am now um And the other thing that I remember doing when I was a kid is I was outside a lot. So I was like outside in nature, um, in the forest. I was in my yard, my best childhood best friend's yard. Um, I remember specifically back when I thought fairies were real, which not saying they aren't, but my conception of fairies, like the little winged things, probably not real. Um, Like flower fairies. I got a flower fairy book and I'm like, (gasps) ah! I love this. And then I grew up and I'm like, Kelpies. Oh God. Um, but I remember every midsummer I would lash together a little wooden table and get little walnuts and acorn tops and put out a little feast for the fairies. So I'd put like cream and walnuts and all this other stuff. And then me and my friend would go play and chase fireflies in her yard. And we would come back. And there was one time where there was like walnut on the walnut there was a little bit of cream on the end and I'm like oh it's a fairy like how did that happen it was probably ants um or an animal that was like mmm tasty milk um because there was like a bunch of ants drowned in this little cream thing overnight it was really sad but um I was very convinced I was like that's fairies they did it they knocked over the cream and probably not but 
that's kind of what I remember most of my childhood being is like playing outside, very convinced of the reality of like mythical beings. Um, I used to think that I could be talked to trees. And that's part of why I ended up here being like, I'm pretty sure I'm a medium because I was talking to trees when I was a kid, like full conversations, had their names down, wrote them down. And part of it, I think, was like my imagination as a kid. Like definitely there was some level of like imagination. Do I think I had an inexplicable bond with some of the trees in my yard? Yeah, it's a little, little weird. But um, that's kind of what my childhood looked like is a lot of reading, a lot of playing outside. And then I look at where I'm at now with like how I research and working with land spirits and all these other things. I'm like, I'm not surprised that I ended up here. This is kind of where I was always going to end up. But yeah, that's for the most part what I remember. <laughs> wow. I definitely understand that having a very strong connection not just with trees, but like with very specific plants in your area, things yeah. that you either grew yourself or that you raised or that were already there that you are coexisting with. Mm -hmm. I mean, I live in a place with almost an over a hundred year old oak tree at the corner of my condo building. So oh, it literally lovely. is so large. It has grown over, I want to say about a third of that four-way crossroads. Yeah. It's so big. And um, I actually wrote a whole spell about it, but that's, that's, that's for another day. <laughs> I think it's um, super interesting. So firstly, you said warrior cats, and I don't know where that memory had gone in my mind, but like that pulled some deep. Up. Yeah, literally just the front covers, because I never read the books, but like, yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, wow, that, that was vivid. Um, <laughs> And then you said something about, about fairies and, you know, your conceptions of fairies as a, as a childhood. And I think there's a strong overlap between, um, you know, a child's, be not belief maybe, but like the play aspect of like, yeah fairy tale. And, and even if it's not really quite the same conception of, of like, like the actual spirits of fairies um mm. I, th I think it's really really interesting because I did a lot of the same things too especially when I first moved to Missouri um and I was very I was like old enough to not but I I was I started practicing witchcraft or at least studying it when I was like 11 so when I first mm -hmm. moved up to Missouri you know it was like this enchanted magical land it looked very different than Florida I was like oh my god it's like you know it's a cooler climate everything's so much not better, but better here, mm -hmm. at least for me as a child. And so I would like do really similar things. I would leave out like um, little thimblefuls of milk and, and stuff yeah. like that. So I, I think that's really interesting that you said that. Do you, do you, did any of you ever read, um, there was this book, it was really popular in the 2000s and it was actually like a DIY craft book for children, but it was called like Wizard, something it was like called like wizard craft or something like that and it was I literally... remember the cover I'd never read it you just dredged up the same memory that you did with Warrior yes <laughs> yes yeah no there was this there was this book and when I you was mean in, DIY it was like it was literally like a child's craft book full of like 
simple, easy recipes and methods to do like everything. I mean, we're talking like styrofoam wands and and like how to make a broomstick and like pumpkin milkshakes and like it was like it was it was a pretty thick book and it was literally like a um recipe book and a folklore book of course they really watered it down like they talked about Agrippa in there but they didn't go into like you know all of Agrippa and Agrippa for yeah. children <laughs> Agrippa for kids right Goetia for kids um that's a thing by the way um <laughs> yeah I think there's a Goetia coloring book I saw on Amazon at some point in time I almost bought it I want to if I ever have kids I'm going to get the Goetia for kids I think I for kids I think I I don't know the artist personally but like I've seen the artist interact in like with the Goetia for kids book it's actually kind of kind of cool and a little interesting um but, but yeah this like I had this teacher and her name was Mrs. Winslow she'll never hear this but like wow I wish you could Mrs. Winslow um she was my kindergarten teacher and when I um left kindergarten uh her her class was called like the Winslow's Wizards oh and God. I loved being in that class so much um she made me feel really cool and really special and really important and then she as like a graduation quote unquote present she like gave me that wizardology book and I when I tell you I had that book for probably like a good 10 years yeah. I was pretty obsessed with it but yeah anywho um, Vic, Victoria Luther's Satanic Coloring Book for Kids. Goetic Sigils. Oh my god, no way. Can you? I love that. I love that. Wow. See, I'm worried that if I get that for my kid, though, they're going to, like, accidentally summon something. $50 like, on Amazon. That's a lot of money. For children. It's for the kids. For children? <laughs> I don't want to pay $50 for Goetia symbols. I'll just teach them how to draw them myself. There you go. Like, here's the book here's the goetia practice drawing your go like your demon sigils please right at that point you might as well just buy the lesser key of solomon yeah no let's just <laughs> grab that i'll grab that and bring it in i could get them like the occult tarot which has like the pictures of the different like demons and be like who's this tell me about them oh Flash man yeah. i want to see the next tiktok be all about goetic symbols for children goetic <laughs> symbols for children i'm gonna get canceled by the christians if i do that uh, yeah me too <laughs> I, I'm having almost a little too much fun with that on TikTok are you I, because... I've had a lot of post fans recently so I think I'm on some sort of watch list currently um, yeah, yeah a lot of so times I will low. I'll block as soon as I see a, a a fundamentalist looking comment I just go ahead and block them now because I just yeah. just got the time who's got the time I don't have enough time to go through my comments and block those people <laughs> No, because I get so many and so then I'm sure that like what basically what happens is like one person reports it and the report goes through and because of the way TikTok is structured a bot will flag and take it down for community book guidelines even if it's not actually a violating that guideline um and then recently they've just been like saying okay you're temporary ban temporarily banned from posting and I'm like really okay um that's happened three times in the past two weeks so I'm doing some nice strict PG content um <laughs> that like, makes sense just to stay on the side of caution 
because TikTok has deleted people's accounts for less. Knock on wood. That does not happen to me. Maybe no no Goetia for kids then. No Goetia for kids. Yeah. (laughs) TikTok is a weird fucking place, y'all. You're all talking about it. And I'm like, what? What is going on here? I have a list of things that you cannot post about on TikTok because they will flag it and take it down. I'm going to pull it up because I want to see your facial, like your reaction when I say some of these things. Mm. Um, Fire, like a candle non-censored words that are curses or death or body parts so like you can't say boobs herb bundles because they think it's marijuana they think (gasps) it's a drug yes i just got a a video of mine just got banned because i was doing an apothecary diary on basil basil Mm -hmm. smoke any smoke they take down because they assume that it's smoking no line three. That's particularly just for me right now because I got my first post ban talking about line three. And I think that talking about it put me on the watch list. So they're really, he- and that's like an activism thing right now. So they're heavily monitoring multiple accounts that are talking about line three. That's, um, yeah. That's a little mm, fascist. Just a yeah, little yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, my fascist red flags are fucking going It's off. TikTok as a big corporation leans more towards the red like leans more towards right wing than oh, left I thought you wing. meant blood nope <laughs> um no nudes or half nudes and what I mean by that is if your shoulders are showing and they can't see a shirt they're gonna take it down um that happened to me the other day um but uh no bones unless you say content warning bones on it and that's just for right now. I've done some with bones that have been fine but since I'm on a watch list I don't want to mess with it and no candles because the, the candles are on fire they're gonna be like this is safety problems and that's just the things that I've been taken down for in the past I would be interested in going I'm not sure if you could find this or if it's public information but I'd be interested in knowing like exactly who the companies well who the companies that tiktok are technically in bed with like where are the investments are they invested in oil because it's something if if they're specifically blocking any content or or flagging content that contains the words line three in there it seems to me more likely that there is definitely some uh, oil connections going on there because i hardcore thing and i'm 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 the type of person where like i'm I don't even use the word leftist anymore. I just am like, I'm pro-Indigenous solidarity, pro-Black liberation, because I think that a lot of leftists forget minorities and people of color in their activism. They very much focus on like Marxism, socialism, and then like these theories instead of just looking at what people need. Um, But I'm very far left and I'm in the kind of placement of every single large corporation probably has ties to other large corporations. Um, And because Enbridge is super big and there's so much going on with protesting line three, I'm not surprised that TikTok is trying to censor it the same way they censored the George Floyd protests. Um, They're in favor of protecting their own like liability. Is there a corporation they're in favor of keeping the peace? Um, they also, I always have my suspicions that the reason I'm not verified is because I'm a witch and because they flag my, they basically like do so many community guidelines on my account that I can't get verified. Um, so yeah, I, and I, cause like, you'll see accounts with like 
500,000 people that are like Spotify singers, et cetera, and they're verified, but you will not see a single witch talk creator that's verified. Not a single one. I was actually having a discussion. I'm sure you've noticed, and and mm-hmm. all of us have had multiple imposters on Instagram mm-hmm. over the last few months. Um, it's turned into quite an issue, and I get I get messages in my DMs every day, every single day of every someone telling day. me this, and I'm like, I put this in my stories. Some people get mad at me for not warning people about the scammers, and I'm like, I do. I put stories I mean, every single post- day. I have a guy story thing that says imposters on it. I post about it every week. Um, it's in my highlights. It, it's in my highlights. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I can't do anything right now because I talked to it. Like I talked to my lawyers and my lawyers were like, well, we can put in a trademark thing, but Instagram has to take the accounts down themselves. And I'm like, an Instagram's not going to do that. And they won't verify. Um, yeah. I just had my first scammer thing happen to me Mm -hmm. uh, earlier this week. Um, My following is considerably smaller than both of yours. I'm like just broke 5,000 people. So luckily my, thanks. um, My my, uh, group of people that I, I, talk to the most and like interact with and things like that they're all relatively like down to earth and and really really great people that I interact with online all the time um but it was it was so overwhelming like so even with my like 5,000 whatever followers and I had so many dms that I actually had to just make like an automated message and just start sending it to people because I'm, I'm like, I am getting so, I've never gotten so many DMs in one sitting yeah. in my life. I mean, they were like, like hundreds, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I was like, I appreciate y'all like telling me about this, but I do not have the time to personally thank every single one of you. And I even, you know, made, um, stories about it and things like that and it just it, it you know I I don't know it's just not everybody everybody saw it which is fine and then trying to get it taken down I I'm pretty sure it's still up like I've, yep. I've had everybody flag it I've had everybody block and report it and it's not I'm pretty sure it's still up there yeah I couldn't report it or block it because they blocked me mm-hmm. and they followed my sister yeah, That's so I, I actually had a problem with imposters going through my following list and trying to follow my friends and family. Yep. So what I ended up doing is I made a private account for friends and family and I'm on following every single one of them on my main account so they can't be like found. Because um, I was getting messages from like neighbors and cousins being like, hey, here and like some of my friends. And I'm like, so that's a problem to me. That's, um, that's like, I take my friends and family safety very high, like high regard, um, because I know that I am on the internet, but none of them want that life. They like their privacy. So I'm just taking extra precautions because like, I don't know who these imposters are. I don't know their intent. And yeah, are they impersonating me? And they're just going through my following list. Yeah. But they can leave my friends alone, please. Like, stop following my one friend from two colleges ago who doesn't want anything to do with you. 
but yeah, it's been a little, that's been a little stressful. The ones that I've noticed recently, and I saw like it's Jujube and then me, and then like a few other people who have had the imposter thing going on. Um, before, like literally and before, I mean like two weeks ago, when mm-hmm. I would see like people impersonating Marshall, they would just like take like screenshots of their video, of your videos, mm-hmm. Marshall, and just post them. Well, now they've like just started going through and bought a bunch of followers, screen recorded all of like my video like my my lives my reels and actually started posting them as like videos so whatever I don't know if it's a bot I don't know if it's a person but whatever is doing the impersonation is getting smarter and is like trying to mimic because I had a bunch of people who were like oh I followed that per like I followed this account like I I thought it was you I couldn't tell the difference and I'm just like that's so weird someone has a second account because I blocked one of the imposter accounts second account was screenshotting my stuff and some of my stories and posting them every day um so they were like taking my content as I was posting it it's oh it's creepy it's very creepy because oh I actually put in my bio which of Southern Light is my only account? And then they literally copied that. They take it. In yeah. theirs. And I'm just like, hold on. You see how you wrote which of Southern Light's your, my only account? And then your account yeah. is not which of Southern Light. Do you see how that doesn't work? I got you, scammer. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't they get it. They did them. that with me too. It was like chaotic, which on is my only account and tagged me. And I'm like, yeah okay you just tagged my real account so I don't know what to tell you but like I understand that this may be difficult for you originality that sounds really mean I'm sorry I was again I was about to turn into a bitch I had to reel it in it's oh. okay we can be mean no. to scammers. oh no I'm, I I'm just like, I understand originality is hard for you but like the typos the tagging my real account like that's a matter of like that's like very basic stuff very basic if you're gonna try to scam all of my followers you need to get more creative than this honey please (laughs) literally exhausting so actually oh sorry go ahead no no you're fine i was just gonna say if you're trying to like what like the the end goal is to 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 get people to do readings right because that's what they always Mm -hmm. like message people with and it's like if you're just trying to get money babe like i don't know do better yeah I feel like there are different ways to get money that aren't impersonating someone and sending them weird messages. Some of them were literally like emojis punctuating every single like two sentences. And I'm like, I don't even talk like that. I don't know what to do. Like, that's not me. <laughs> so bad. Oh. Yeah. One of mine was, um, I got screenshots of what they were sending out and it was, it was the strangest verbiage yeah. I would never use it and it was just mm-hmm. like reaching out to tell you that I had a dream about you and I knew that I needed to reach out and, and tell you something very important if you'd like to know it's going to be $50 for your five minutes for 10 minutes 75 and for $15 a hundred and I was like that pricing is all off. And two, I don't dream that much. Three, I would never message anyone this. It was- Yeah. I, what was it? Someone, it was very much like, do you remember the Hello Fellow Lightworkers message? Yes. That's the vibe that they are all giving off. I think Mm -hmm. I have like a picture of it somewhere and I can read it out, like a nice dramatic reading. 
Please. Um, because it was very, and I will, I will put the emojis in too, so you get the full picture. Yeah, here we go. Um, grand rising love, grand rising. I read your name, little psychic ball emoji and felt the strong energy, evil eye emoji and connection, DNA emoji, and thought you wanted a reading. Flower emoji, evil eye emoji, little yoga emoji. <laughs> I was drawn to you by my ancestors though. So are you interested in getting a reading from me? Grand rising. Oh, I have it saved too. Grand oh my God, rising. Just doing this. It's the same thing. Grand is it rising. The same thing? Yes, this is grand rising. Hello, heart emoji. I hope you're doing okay. From an early age, I have been aware of the energy and feelings of others. The first aspect of being an intuitive. The powers are so strong, it prompted me to be of service to others. Through 15 years of practice and professional study, I have the ability to guide people through the paths of their lives, the ups and downs, the realistic issues surrounding relationships and love, career, money, and spirituality. My abilities include clairvoyance, clairvoyance, tarot reading, angel card reading, fertility reading, and other intuitive guidance. I read your name and felt, or I read your name and felt a very strong energy and connection and thought that you needed a reading. So we may have the same person it's and maybe probably. the same. It's probably because I've only seen a couple messages that go grand rising. Grand. Grand rising. rising. Rise up grandly. Um, yeah. From heaven to earth. He lives what was like? I was going to say something. Love. I almost forgot. <laughs> uh, That's oh. um, I like that they read like spoken words when you guys read them. Like I would have you both at an open Mike night. Mike night at my oh. at my poetry my open night <laughs> Mike night poetry coffee shop um they so and my thing is is people will send these messages and I'm like okay if you're that talented of a psychic and you're an intuitive like and you're really good at what you do go on to Kasamba and apply there like you get a job mm-hmm. but if you're that talented that much experience why are you pretending to be someone else to get business? That's my, like, I'm like, if you, like, if you really are what you say, which they're probably not, um, why are you doing this? Why are you, me- why are you messing me up like this? Why are you illegally doing this? Scamming on them. So Scamming. Damn it. So, Frankie. Yes. <laughs> we, um, what, what was, what was your first experience of the occult? Like, cause we, oh we went on a cute little tangent about scamming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, but how did you, how did you get here? I have to think about it. So I, I think when I started, I was very much all my resources that I could find were Wiccan. And so that's kind of where I started. Um, and I think that's why paganism is so heavily entrenched in my practice as well is because when I first started that was like in Wicca like that's normal like the gods and goddesses are just always around so I think I definitely picked that up from Wicca and I've just continuously worked with deities since I started um I remember my first few experiences were kind of fuck-ups um like big big old messes that I made as a teenager um the one that I already mentioned was like at 17 I cast a lemon curse on someone very basic lemon curse um hung it outside my window to get exposure to the elements and it fell off my window and rolled into the gutter and we didn't get it out for four years so nice little residual curse on my family for four years by accident 
Um, and we can trace like in those four years, like my dad lost his job, like all these other things. And so they, ne- they will never let that go. And that's okay. Cause I think it's a very important lesson for me. Uh, don't hex in the house ever go somewhere else and do it. Crossroads mountain. Don't care. Um, but the other ones I had were like, I talked a little bit with like the witch of wanderlust about this recently is like, I was at 16, 17, I was very much someone who thought like deity work was really important because of the literature I consumed and where I was getting my information from, which was like Tumblr and Pinterest. Um, At like, little baby Frankie was like, oh yeah, this is a good spell. It's a Pinterest, like pictogram type thing. Um, But so I think I wanted DD work to be a thing for me really, really bad. And because of that, I was, I, I looked at my old book of shadows and I had like pa- devotion pages to like three different gods. And I'm like, I am not the, what? Uh, I don't remember this. This was not, I never worked with these gods before. I don't have any like experiences with them. I just like found them interesting and wanted to like will them into my life. Um, for the most part, that was what my early practice was. Obviously, there's been a lot of change since then. Um, but I also kind of found witchcraft, specifically not necessarily paganism, but witchcraft as a way to take back power that oftentimes uh, cis- cishet men had taken from me. I say very specifically cishet men because they were all cishet men. Um, they were all that, all that guy. Um, but, and I've definitely done a lot of reclamation of power. And I think about the past two years, um, I went through like a really rough period. And even though it's a later experience with the cult, with the occult, my witchcraft practice is very much defined now by very strong goddess figures and very, I like, I worked with Freya, I worked with Artemis and now I work with Diana as my patron. And these are all goddesses that I think very much punctuate how I practice my witchcraft as well. Um, kind of like the take, take no shit, independent, throw a bitch in the freezer type deal. Um, that's kind of where I've ended up. And I'm a little surprised because I don't think I, I think at the beginning, I was very focused on what witchcraft to do could do to change things for me. And even though I still think about that now and it's a big part of my practice, I also look at what witchcraft can't change and what I have to accept. So a lot more self-reflection than when I was 16, you know, I'm not cursing anyone with a lemon. I can't, I still can't believe I did that. It was like such a bad curse too. It is like not good. Oh. <laughs> I, I remember being a teenager. So I, I, I've talked about this before, but I've discovered like Wicca when I was like 12 or 13 years old. I remember being in middle school and I remember mm-hmm. this group of bullies that always kind of bullied me. And I decided that because one of them lived at the end of my street, I just kind of labeled him as the progenitor of the, like the leader bully of this pack. And I decided that I was going to hex him and, and make him sick. And I went over to this random like patch of land that was behind our neighborhood. It's all been totally Mm -hmm. paved over and turned into houses now. But when I lived there, it was this wild area of forest and hills and trees. And I loved it because I was right by my neighborhood. And I got on top Mm -hmm. of this little hill, this mound, I remember literally calling the quarters and shouting to the sky with my arms up 
to bring him the same, to bring him, like, I was so, like, the 13-year-old Marshall shouting to the sky to bring the pain that he brought to me. And it was so fascinating because I want to say later on that week, he stopped showing up to school. (laughs) For the next week, he had the flu. The thing is, Let's go. I mean, it, it worked. The problem with that, though, now I'm not a big believer in the threefold law. And I think that we, the way we yeah. understand karma is not the way it was actually meant to be done, which I've, I've spoken about before. But um, I will say that there is a level of, of balance in reality that is nuanced. And it's difficult to discuss unless you talk about the way things are on a case-by-case basis. So he mm-hmm. was actually not the progenitor of the majority yeah. of these bullying ass uh, bullying asses uh and i want to say in the following month i got a um kidney infection that i ended up peeing blood and it got me to the hospital and it was this whole thing uh i was not prepared for it so marshall i, was, I know i know i mean i was in middle school and i, w- I wouldn't tell anyone i mean it got really bad because i was embarrassed i didn't want to tell anyone i was like i can't tell my mom i'm peeing blood like what does that mean that's so embarrassing oh my god and i had to go to the hospital with this kidney infection and i'm not saying that well i do personally believe that there is a relationship there to counterbalancing yeah. something that i had tipped in an unfair favor um because that's why i yeah. think about it there there needs to be a just reason behind doing something and, and to justify it and i couldn't. agree with that so much and i think that's why most of my workings that are baneful or justice related are for um victims of like sexual violence or abuse And oftentimes when I do a consultation with them, they're like, I tried having a restraining order. It didn't work. I tried doing this. It didn't work. The police aren't doing anything. And in that situation, there's already something that's tipped with that power dynamic. Like it's already unfair that they are not getting the help they need. And so that's when I step in. And I found that other than that, I don't often do a lot of painful magic because I don't like tipping with those scales and I don't like messing with them unless someone is really, really bothering me and won't leave me alone. I'll just pop them in the freezer. Um, mm-hmm. So real quick, like whoop, throw them in there. But I think that definitely that just thing. And even when you look at like historically witchcraft and baneful magic, baneful magic, domination magic, et cetera, was used in situations where someone had, there was an unfair power dynamic. Like that's when it was used a hundred percent of the time, because otherwise people just didn't want to mess with that kind of scale. If that makes sense. I was actually reading about a historical aspect of different types of, of village cunning women and men. And there mm-hmm. was this understanding that it's funny enough, this didn't happen all the time, but there was yeah. this understanding or belief that sometimes the cunning man or woman or the cunning person would be, giving you something to heal the curse that someone put on you but what that person that patron didn't realize was the curse was put on them by that witch due due to the pack that they were paid by another patron to put it on them so they were kind of playing both sides all the time yeah this crooked path we weave and it's interesting because a lot of the the documented there aren't that many documented historical aspects of this but the ones that there are documentations of didn't end well for the cunning practitioner usually a lot of the townspeople kind of either figure things out or start to kind of come across the idea that you know maybe this person so helpful as we thought they were (laughs) I think um, 
I think one of, I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure Molly Dyer was a fi- like a pivotal character that kind of had that, that very similar narrative of like, she was a village cutting woman. I could be getting the name wrong. I don't mm-hmm. know where I'm pulling that from. I'll look it up. But um, yeah, she was somebody, you know, they would, they would pay her to put a curse on somebody but then in the same breath the person that she put a curse on would come to her to take it off and so there was always like this very interesting dynamic there mall dyer so interesting mall dyer molly is close though yeah that's pretty close wow that's interesting i love that so um now that we know about your childhood your background Mm -hmm. you've told us a little bit about your practice today um obviously I, I don't expect you to share a lot of things but would you say that because it's your private practice your private practice um would you say that a huge portion of your practice today is focused a lot on deity work or is that just mainly what you talk so about? deity work is mainly what I talk about mm-hmm. um I think that it is a very large part of my practice I just started worshiping Hades um, like I said, exchanged worship to keep someone safe. That was a real thing. That's a real thing I did. Um, I'm also supposed to look at like spirit work and necromancy a little more. So I think that working with a God of the dead is very fitting, but I think I talk about deity work a lot because specifically on TikTok, that's a very, a very present form of witchcraft and paganism is deity work. Like I, when you first hop on the app, you probably, if you get into witch talk, you may see a couple like crazy hexes, people being like, ah, you, stab a lemon. And then when you kind of get into it, a lot of the bigger witch talkers are either like clairvoyant psychic mediums, um, or they're like, they do a little bit more like kind of trendy stuff where they're like, here's like this spell and this spell and this spell to help you, um, or it's deity work. And I think that it's, I would talk like once again, Olivia and I had this conversation. I think the type of media you grow up with, especially when you're learning witchcraft definitely influences your path. Um, I don't think that I would have been as involved in paganism and deity work if I didn't have mostly Wiccan influences. Because in Wicca, the god and goddess are just a huge part of it. And for me, I'm also the type of person where I like working with the divine. I really enjoy worshiping gods. Um, I like working with them. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed my time working with Freya. Um, I was a devotee to her for like a year or so, maybe more. And I really enjoy it. It's very fulfilling for me. Um, the, the pitfall that I have found myself come into is that when I have, when I work with deities or when I worked with deities in the past, I kind of let things slide for me in a way, like I didn't do as much myself. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, you can't do that. Cause you're going to get fucked up. I can't just rely on the divine to fix things for me. I'm going to do it myself and take it into my own hands. Um, I think that there's some level of that that was influenced by my childhood and my mom saying that there are certain things you shouldn't mess with, like having faith in a higher power and things that will always work out the way it's meant to. So there are always certain things that I was very anxious about tampering with, and I still am. 
I think I subconsciously subconsciously have this fear that if I do a money spell, I'll be taking money away from someone who really needs it, even if I specify that it won't. And it's still like this oh, damn shadow work. Let me write that down to do today because give me oh, because I feel like I'm unboxing like something I didn't realize was there. <laughs> but I definitely big part of my practice. I also am now getting to the point where I'm getting further into Italian folk magic and I'm getting really far into um, working with the land and the materials you have around you. Um, I'm getting back into my divinatory practices and spells with divination. I got a new tarot deck yesterday, which I probably shouldn't have done, but I didn't any, I didn't anyways because I wanted it. Um, but I don't share a lot of my ancestral work online. I don't share a lot of my folk magic online because a lot of it is very specific to Italian folk magic. And I don't think that people need to know that stuff. Um, I don't think people need to know every spell or word that I do. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very selective with what gets put online. And I think I'm okay with deity work being put online because I don't share all of it. And oftentimes I found that when I share my deity work and deity worshiping it helps other people um also spirit interactions which i have a lot of because those i can kind of make funny i can't really like i can't i don't know i don't i haven't figured out a way to make folk magic funny yet <laughs> i mean you can like throw i mean the throwing the incense at a spirit was funny that i will consider just like chaotic I'm magic. curious, when you say Italian folk magic, are you talking about Aradia or is that totally mm -hmm. separate? So I love talking about this. You're going to get me in a whole rant. So Aradia <laughs> or Aradia, Aradia. Uh, specifically came out and was enforced by Raven Grimasi. Um, Raven Grimasi created his own tradition, the Aradian tradition, um, and he created a new branch of Italian witchcraft for Italian-American witches wanting to connect with their heritage. Um, if you talk to any folk practitioner back in Italy, they're like, what the fuck is this? What is this? Like, this is not us. And he basically took aspects of folk magic, like small aspects, the Aradia and Wicca, and put them together. And he was like, here's Stregonaria. And I'm like, what? I have to sneeze. Hold on. Bless you. Thank you. So I do study that Italian witchcraft type stuff. I think the Aradia is like a great piece of folklore or mythos to read critically. Was Charles Elin probably lying about a lot of it? Yeah. Yeah, he was. But... The Italian Margaret Murray, huh? Yeah. <laughs> He's something. He's, and then, so Raven Grimasi, I have my beef with. I think he has some great, great, he created his own tradition. I can't hate on that, you know? It's not for me. Um, I think the part that I really didn't like about Raven Grimasi is he insisted that this was a rebirth of an old tradition. Mm. No, no, it wasn't. You lying, lying. Um, the folk magic that you will find in Italy is very more akin to like saint work, um, folk Catholicism. Uh, the books that I usually recommend are like Italian folk magic by Ruse Kitchen Witchery and um, uh, Italian magic secret lives of women. 
those two are the folk magic that I primarily learn. And even though I still learn Italian witchcraft, I usually tend to lean more towards the traditional healing methods of my ancestors and the herbs they used and the protective methods they used. Um, because like when you look at folk magic, it's not very ceremonial. It's like, go outside, gather the herbs you always do, throw it in a little thing, burn it, put a towel over your head and sit there and then you're cleansed. It's just like very practical. And that's very much what my craft is too. I don't do a lot of ceremonial stuff. I'm very much like, do I have something in my yard that I can use for this? Yes, cool, go grab it, get it up and let's go. Um, and I think that practicality is why I love folk magic so much is because there's no call in the quarters. There's no like extra level of like, ah, say a chant, do this. I'm like, all right, I know these herbs are going to work. I'm going to say a little prayer to them. I'm going to throw them in something. I'm going to burn them and then we're going to be set. It's very practical. And that's how my craft is. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a very practical person too. A lot of times, mm -hmm. and I think I, I mentioned this in a, a, no, I mentioned this in a funny enough, our little Patreon little only video where I was talking about wondering sometimes I'll do something and go, was that enough? Like, yeah. I, I sometimes wonder like, because I am surrounded now as a content creator by so many other amazing creators, they put things out, make me go, gosh, that was, that was so aesthetic. There was so much ceremony. They that said these aesthetic. words beforehand. They said these words behind it. This was the middle. Yeah. And it was like, I'm not really writing a whole chapter book. I'm just getting out there. I'm doing this thing. And then I'm done with the thing. And sometimes I kind of wonder, like, should I have done something more? But it, it is nice to hear from other creators who are willing to share yeah. that it's not all like that, that it's totally valid to do it in different ways. Mind you, yeah. I'm not questioning my, my invalidity. I'm just saying like, I, I recognize that it looks so different for so many people. And a lot of people who don't always hear that aspect and only see the beautiful aesthetic ceremony, yeah. they may miss that process mm -hmm. of what it means to be a folk practitioner. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. You mentioned earlier uh, about something about being a medium. Do you, are you open to sharing anything yeah, about I'm mediumship always, for you? I'm always open to sharing it. Um, I, so I often don't use the term medium because I think the word medium conjures ideas of like Long Island medium, like a lot of that stuff. So you gotta get the hair. Yeah, no, I gotta get the hair. I got before like, you even I, said it. Like that's what I. I was like, yeah, on the claws. Bring on the claws. Oh. Like no, seriously. I I definitely like have these connotations mm -hmm. for like certain words, and I've talked about it before, like energy and and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with any of those words. It's just it's I have my own connotations to them. Yeah. Um. So when people say like, oh, I'm a medium, I'm like, I'm just waiting for you, for, not for you specifically, but for somebody to like, I don't know say that they're having like a panic attack if they don't tell me about some dead relative who may or may not have ever existed um you know on the side of the street and it's 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 very that it's for, but then again at the same time <laughs> but at the same time you know I'm sitting here like oh yeah I conjure spirits so I you know it's, yeah. it's fine it's whatever the street goes both ways it's it's funny because I I made a post at one point um, where I was on an airplane with my mom and someone's dead relative came up to me 
and was sitting next to me and was saying, you need to stand up. You need to find this person. Here's the day I died. And I go, no, no, we're not doing this. And they were like, no, you need to tell them. And I'm like, we are on a, I was like, we're on an airplane. An I'm airplane? not taking an airplane. I'm like, we're on an airplane. I'm not taking messages right now. No, leave me alone. And I made a TikTok about that and it blew up. And a lot of people were really angry at me that I didn't stand up and tell this person that there was a ghost like who wanted to talk to them. And I had to have a conversation of like, that person is not consenting to receive a message from a spirit. One, two, we're on a 100 person airplane. I'm going to freak people the fuck out. I'm going to put myself in danger because if there's a negative reaction, I'm going to get escorted off the plane. I don't know anything about the spirit. I don't know if they are trying to get a message to upset that person because some spirits do like to provoke like that. Um, I don't know if they are a loved one. I don't know anything about them. And I don't, I, in order to find that person, I would have to stand up and say, who's like, whose loved one died on this day three years ago which is awful to do on a fucking plane like it's horrific I would never do that because that's so much emotional baggage and possibly um even emotional trauma to have that happen and I was just like I'm absolutely not doing that unless someone comes to me with consent and says I want to talk to this person um, the only times I really give messages from spirits are in tarot readings where the person has said, if there are any messages from people, can you let me know? And I say, okay. And sometimes they don't even say that. And I'm like, hey, there's someone here for you. Do you want to hear what they have to say? There is never a point where I will approach someone on the street and be like, hey, buddy, dead grandpa is here. You want to, you want to, because it's, it's, it's awful. It's unethical. Um, yeah, I can I can imagine you going on to the um the airplane speakerphone. Me like, hey, as, from as the Long Island medium. Hello, I have a message for someone in seat B twenty two. They died on September thirty first, and they want to say the money is under the basement floorboards. No, literally, I just, Marshall, that was amazing. That was really good impression, <laughs> by the way. I'm actually very impressed. I want you to do that again. <laughs> well, we'll definitely well, that needs to be a TikTok, right? That's there. your next. Does. That's your next TikTok series is Teresa Caputo impersonations. Perfect. Perfect. I'll get the wig. <laughs> oh my God. But even then my mediumship, I think a lot of people see the dramatized version of mediums in TV shows, Long Island medium in movies. Like there was an entire book I read as a kid about this person who would like see full fledged operations of ghosts and help them with things. And it's very much not like that for me, at least. Um, and, you know, I've only been training myself and under training for like a year. So, you know, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm not, <laughs> but. Can you describe to people who don't understand what it's like, yeah. or maybe a better, a better version of what they have seen so you can kind of like wash that old idea out and yeah. in the yeah. best way you possibly can. I can imagine it might be difficult. Yeah. So I'm clairsentient. So for the most part, I can just tell when someone enters the space or if something is already there. Um, and you can also, I don't think you have to be a medium to experience that. I think you can train yourself to get to that point. For me, it's just one of those things that comes really, really easily. And it's always been that way. 
um, which I didn't realize wasn't normal till I was like 21. And I was like, what do you mean people can't feel ghosts? And they were like, what? And I'm like, what? Um, but so let's say I'm in a space and I'm doing a reading for someone. And the typical feelings that I will get when someone enters the space is I will get pressure on a certain part of my body. So sometimes if it's an ancestor, they will put their hand on my shoulder. Sometimes if it's a like deity, I will feel them standing behind me. Um, for me, that's very common with Diana. She usually just shows up and stands behind me like a creeper. And I'm like, hey, you want to not do that? Um, sometimes I've had entities who signaled that they were there by creating a pressure on my chest which is actually really scary because it's difficult to breathe but they put it's like a somehow like you just can't catch your breath for a second um I've gotten chills up and down my spine I've gotten all these kind of signals that someone is there and then all I have to do is tune in is what I call it is like dial up my senses and I can tell what they need so let's say I've had um I forget what God was most recent. Sometimes deities show up and they sit there and it, they, it's like a filtered down word or feeling. And then I have to translate it to the person sitting in front of me. So let's say Hades comes in and he's in the corner or whatever. I will hear words in my head like uh, family and I'll be like, okay. And then he, it's like, I don't get full sentences most time unless I'm in a meditative or trance state. And it's very difficult when you are conscious to be sitting there and being like, here's a full-fledged bit of information, ta-da. Um, most of it's feelings. So um, feelings like emotions, feelings like physical feelings, um, because I'm clairsentient, I feel everything. Um, and small little drop-in thoughts. So let's say um, Hades wants something from me. He wants me to do his worship for the day or whatever. He will send me a sign, and this is how it usually goes with my deities. He will send me a sign, and then if I miss that sign because I'm an oblivious witch, I don't know anything, he'll send another sign. And let's say it gets to the point where he sent so many signs and I'm not paying attention, he may show up in the corner of my room and just stand there for a second. And if I, I let's say I pull my tarot cards out and throw a card down and it shows up, but um, most times when someone steps into my space that I don't like, I can tell human or non-human. So I always just describe it as this weird extrasensory perception of who has good intentions, who has bad intentions and what they need. Some spirits show up and they're like water. And I'm like, that's it. And they're like, boop, and they just leave. And I'm like, okay, what? Um, it's not as crazy, I think, as a lot of people expect. A lot of times I'm just like, who's in my house that shouldn't be here? And then I have to like walk around and be like, hello. And then sometimes they just leave. So whenever there's any change in energy in a space, I can feel it. And it's a little, it's overwhelming. So that's why I veil. That's why I'm so heavily warded in my space is because someone tramples in, in the middle of the night, I'm gonna wake up and be like, hi what are you doing? And they may not even need anything. They may just be passing through. Would you but, mind yeah. talking more about, about veiling? I've seen that something you've talked about before. Yeah. You, you have all these beautiful pictures of you veiling on all of your accounts. You. I would love for you to tell me more about why you do that, what that means, and where do you get the yeah. great ones? 
I love veiling for many reasons. Um, primarily, it is a form of protection for me. I'm not wearing it right now, mostly because I, I woke up at like 9.30 and I'm like, ah, I gotta get up. Um, but when I go outside my house, when I'm with people that I don't really know that well, I will put a veil on and that is to protect basically my energy and their energy. Um, because otherwise I tap in two things like very easily and I'm sitting there and I'm like hey dude did your mom die recently and they're like what and I'm like mm. but that I have never said that to someone but it's that feeling um it's mostly an extra level of protection I started a year ago when I heard that it would be good for empaths which I don't identify as an empath anymore I identify as a highly sensitive person because of how much I feel um but so I started veiling with just bandanas and I was having a great experience and I just continued doing it. And for me, it's either like, there are a few things it could be. Um, it released my headaches a lot of the time, which I think tying it in a certain area here released some tension in my neck and it actually helps with my headaches. Mm. Um, I think that the, it's a very valid protective method. It's a very valid worship to the divine. I still do it even though I originally did it for Freya. I still continue to veil because um, now it's something that I do for me. And I'm like, this is something that I really love. I love having my head covered. I love that layer of protection that it gives me. Um, I can be more myself when I'm veiled. I can have just, I'm more comfortable in public when I'm wearing a veil because I'm not super tapped into everything around me. And when I'm super tapped into everything around me, I'm looking at like, everything to make sure because you got like 300 emotions flying everywhere so I mostly do it now in very busy places um if I go to a party if I go to a concert which I'm not doing much of in the pandemic um I will throw a veil on I do it to film YouTube and TikTok because it's also an extra word it's a little like a little protection um thing and yeah, for the most part, uh, also most of my veils come from thrift stores, my mom and uh, Singapore. My friend in Singapore, Kat Borealis, sent me some. So that's, and so I were like, where do you get your veils? And I'm like, uh, my, my, my mom, she gave me some. And they were like, oh, and I'm like, sorry. Um, but yeah, and so there's certainly some people that I don't veil around. But for the most part, I do do it about 90, 80 to 90% of the time. I love that you said, I don't identify as an empath, but as a sensitive person, mm -hmm. uh, because that's something that I feel like I have not been able to put into words before. Just, just to get a little salty here for a fun yeah. moment. Uh, I feel like the word empath gets thrown around a it lot. It does. And, I agree. And, and not even in just spiritual spaces, just in regular spaces. And I feel like just because you have the ability to be empathetic does not make does one not an empath. Thank but you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, I do think a lot of us... Uh, we're very sensitive mm -hmm. people. I know myself have been in situations since I can remember uh, moments in time that I will get this weird, immediate, it's almost like a spine, like I either, like it's almost like a sixth sense. I can't describe it because it's not mm -hmm. a smell, but it's closer it's to intuition. a smell. It's this yeah. intuitive like feeling that I'll get that something is going on around me. There's something mystical or magical happening, whether I'd always used to think like, oh, someone's practicing magic or there's a magical something around me. I never gave mm -hmm. it a, a title of any sort, but I was always 
able to recognize when that feeling would pass, would pass me by. I didn't give it much attention. I didn't really make that do anything with Mm -hmm. it. It was just there. And, um, I really appreciate that you said that because that that stands out more to me. And now I yeah. know how to explain it. <laughs> it's it's very much, and you should look up, I think HSP is the term as well, highly sensitive people. I feel like most highly sensitive people end up being witches. We all just get thrown in there. Um, for me, and it goes past the spiritual too, where like I feel my emotions very intensely and I feel other people's emotions very intensely and everything is very big and like a lot. And for me, I know I've talked with my therapist about this, about some like sensory processing stuff and nerve, like the nerves in my brain just being wired a little differently. Um, It's very fun to explore because I had looked for something for ages to explain why I felt things so intensely. And I had like such like touch and like things touching me are it's either like a eh or like a happy thing. Um, but all my sensory processing issues, all my emotions fit under highly sensitive person because empaths have kind of become this very spiritual thing, very spiritual thing, very non-spiritual thing. And it's used in a lot of ways. Like you've said, just because you're empathetic doesn't mean you're an empath. So I shied away from the term too, because I found that a lot of other empaths who said they were empaths didn't have sensory processing issues like I did like I get really overwhelmed really really easily like I get so overstimulated I have like I have these things called loop earplugs which I love because they block out a little bit noise they take it down several decibels and I wear these when I get overstimulated because otherwise that I get my I have misophonia I hate noises um but a lot of empaths are like no I've never experienced any of that and I'm like really you don't cry when you your sock gets wet because like I cry when my sock gets wet like all these things that had me labeled as a very sensitive child I still experience them to a certain degree um I still feel movies really really intensely I watched a movie last night and cried for an hour after I don't even know how I don't even know why it's just sad and I'm like Bleh. but what movie uh it's called spontaneous to be fair it's a dark comedy it was just dealing with feelings of like life and grief and like imminent death and it hit a nerve. And so I just laid in bed for like 20 minutes to 30 minutes after and cried about it. Cause I think I, I just like it hit a, something that I had been dealing with because of my move and stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm going to cry for an hour now about this. Um, but all these things that I, I thought were like, not I thought were normal um but like my mom's a highly sensitive person so it's like one of those things where she definitely gave it to me she gave me the fun fun sensory processing issues um but I think that it makes me I'm I'm proud to have it it makes me a better person it was definitely I had issues with like boundaries and understanding my emotions versus other people's emotions or how to even cope with my own feelings because they were so much as a kid Like I felt every, I feel everything so intensely. And now I have a way to process it and like understand it. But when I was a kid, it was like, oh my God, this is a lot of fear. This is a lot of happiness and I don't know how to express it. Yeah, that can be quite overwhelming sometimes. I 
I know I've had experiences like that very much so where it's so weird that movies, movies, TV shows, and certain songs will bring me to tears. Songs, the songs. I experience songs in a way that apparently most people don't. Mm-hmm. I, cause I, I listen to music and it hits something for me. And I like have put earphones in and I sit there and I just listen and completely immerse myself. And it brings up emotions and feelings and all these other things like songs tied to so many different things. And then I'm like, does this not happen to other people? They're like, no, I just like the sound of it. And I'm like, what? You don't listen to every lyric and like feel it. And they're like, no. And I'm like, there's a uh, there's a classical song called Palladium, and it's mathematically put together. Uh, it's no lyrics. It's just it's usually either viol. Do you mostly violins or strings? And I the like way strings. that it has mathematically been put together to create an escalating energy oh to a point God. when you get to the final note, you are at this massive crescendo of I sound. You've that. heard it before. They used it in the, they used it in the, I think the the. I think it was the K Jewelers song for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a big fan of just, I think music, music has always been like that for me too. Like I used to listen and music helped me deal with my own feelings because it gave me words that I couldn't explain. Like I couldn't put words to my emotions when I was a teenager. So I did it with music. And so music has always been a really big part of my life, but I don't think that I experience music in the same way other people do. It's part of the reason I don't like going to concerts that much is because I like putting headphones on and experiencing it by myself in a concert I'm experiencing it with other people and I can't really feel everything that I would if I listened to it by myself I get very overwhelmed and large crowds hardcore I hate them I get so stressed so anxious freak out so speaking (laughs) of um things that are really impactful in your life like music and and things like that um you've you started the process of writing um and writing a book uh so what could you tell us a bit more about that and Mm -hmm. um what that entails what that looks like and what it's what it's about it's a lot of fun um I writing was another thing that was impactful for me I wanted to be an author when I was a kid so I have made my childhood dream come true somehow but writing it was a lot. I think that kind of like labor of love thing is very much accurate when you're writing a book because it's like hours upon hours that you're pouring into one thing. And then at the end of it, you're like, God, I created this. Like I've never created something quite like this before. So I'm very, I don't know. I, I'm still not a hundred percent like in touch with how amazing it is. Um, for what it's about, I wrote this book as the book I needed when I was 16 because I talked a lot about my Wiccan influences like all these things and information so I wrote it as a non-religious way to approach witchcraft and create a foundation in a way that you will be able to go off on any path afterwards so very much kind of protection cleansing banishing very bare bones foundational stuff I did throw like witchcraft in the environment, witchcraft and activism in there, because to me, that's a foundation of witchcraft. And I understand that some radical, radical right-wing witch is going to pick that up and be like, disgrace. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, After they paid for it though. Yeah, no, after they paid for it, that's the important part is they will pay for it. And I'll be like, oh, you don't like it? Sorry. 
Um, but I, the kind of stuff that poured into it was mostly like stuff that I needed. Like I just needed a book that was going to tell me what would be good to start with, like grounding, meditation, protection, cleansing, banishing, binding, tools that I would need, but not necessarily need, just like a resource. Um, so that's what I created. And I had a lot of really people, really, really great people help me. I had Cat Borealis come in to help with the crystal section. Um, I had multiple of my friends who are indigenous, black, etc. do like some reading from me and editing um, to help me make sure that the text was decolonized and desettled. And there was nothing in there that would step on toes in a way, because when you're talking about activism, my voice is not the most important. The entire section on that is, hey, here's a list of books that you should read after mine that are going to help you on this path. They're all Black, Indigenous, um, Latinx authors. Um, most of that section is quoting, uh, oh man, I forgot her name, uh, Borderlands, La Frontera, because that changed my life. Um, but I wanted to write it in a way especially that kind of last part where we're talking about social issues and activism and justice in a way that shows that brings attention to these issues without overstepping. I didn't say anything or take any reins that hadn't already be, been said. And that's, it's just the fact that I'm white that people are gonna listen. So I'm using that level of, okay, people will, see what I'm saying and maybe actually hear it this time because most time they don't listen to BIPOC whatsoever um and yeah I, I don't know so many people helped me with this book that like I could continuously list them again and again and I it was months a year of work and I'm very proud of how it turned out does the book have a title Yes, it's, oh, I forgot the title. Ooh, it's, That's uh, okay, I didn't know if it was done th being through pub pub yeah. publishing yet, so. So it's called Spells for Change. It's like a modern witch's guide is the little thing underneath there. Um, I really like the title because I think witchcraft at the end of the day is about change, change of self, change of place, change for other people. Um, and I think that it, the book definitely mirrors a little bit of how I've fallen into folk magic because I put a lot of emphasis on we should take care of ourselves, but we should also take care of other people. That kind of care that you will see in folk healers, how they kind of help, especially Italian folk healers and medicine women. Um, that is, I think, a big part of my practice is witchcraft isn't just for me. It's for the community. It's to make the world a better place. It's to understand how I can help others through my spirituality and through my work. Um, and I think that like things like anti-racist work and the environment, et cetera, are things every witch should care about because of the historical connotations of witchcraft in those areas. Um, and that's my, my argument. Do, do, do. I do have to like, kind of say in the book, I'm like, I don't really, I prefer if you did this, but I'm not going to tell you what to do because I'm that type of person. I don't want to force anyone to look at that on in their path, but I do think it's a super important aspect, which is why it's in the book in the first place. But yeah. And <laughs> when is the release date for that? Or do you know? Um, in, so in the UK, it should be October 27th. In the US, not sure yet. It, I think it's April, 2022. So there's a big gap in between the UK and the US release. Um, not sure how it's gonna work. 
who's it who's it being published by if you don't mind me asking it is orion um spring in the uk okay and in the u.s andrew mcneil's okay publishing they published ruby car so milk and honey poetry baby um but i'm very excited to start working with the u.s publishers because i feel like it's gonna be really exciting to like be able to be like i know all these bookstores in the u.s that we can do things at um but yeah i it's very surreal still um, I, I think it'll be more real once I have a copy in my hands. Cause then I'm going to be like, oh my God, this is a thing. This is happening. Like, this is my book. Um, but right now it's still very surreal. Cause I've only seen like the online, like proofs and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of crazy. It's very crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, like you've worked on this for so long now. It's like your yeah. baby. You literally birthed baby. this book. And then you got to throw the baby out in the world and hope people like the baby, which is like, basically, I feel like having a kid is like you birth the kid, you raise the kid, then you throw the kid out in the world and hope they turn out all right. Yeah, it's very that energy. (laughs) So it's like this, I will consider this my firstborn child. Like I, she's a labor of love or he or they, I don't know. I don't think books have gender. Books don't have gender. I'm saying it right now. Okay. Um, but threw it out into the world and I just I know that there's going to be like hard parts where people don't like it but my goal is that I wrote it for the people who need it and the right people to find it um even if that's like one person who loves it is like this helped me I think that's a really good perspective to have on on written material is like it's not for everybody and I think that's that's okay like it's it's for specific groups of people you know I I grew up I'm I'm 10 years older than Austin so we're a Mm -hmm. decade apart I'm 34 now and uh, it's interesting because we have a slightly different we have very similar experiences but the way that it ended up evolving was very different based off of what was available at the time Mm -hmm. so it's fascinating to think about the fact that I was in the 90s when I discovered Wicca that was when it's huge boom Silver Raven Wolf was everywhere I mean Mm -hmm. that was the thing Teen Teen Witch had come out uh, which I I know oh yeah I've talked about it before that was my second book I ever had so at the time it was one of those that was so helpful I look back and recognize the the problems with it but I also am so lucky that that was even available at all so I I think it's so amazing now that you know people like you are coming out with books and there are books out now that I wish had been out when I was 12 when I was 16 and the fact that you wrote a book for that person who you needed what you needed at that time Mm -hmm. I felt like that is really telling because so many of us go through these types of evolutionary spiritual processes and witchcraft alone and we don't know I did not have social media there was no social media at the time I didn't know what other people are thinking what they're going through what experiences they're having we can share that now but but we have so much more availability to to do so on so many platforms Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think that's the magical part of social media past like all the awful bullshit that comes with social media is like, there are people, there's a community there. It's kind of fucked, but it's a community. (laughs) It is, exactly. But yeah, yeah, I'm very excited for it. 
So uh, I'm curious, uh, you've mentioned uh, the importance of activism, not only in your practice, but in your life in general. I know mm-hmm. you've been talking very passionate about um, line three and yeah. several other different things that involve uh, BIPOC people as well as, as indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Is, is there is there more information you can give us? Is there things yeah. that you would like to talk about and tell us when it comes to these things? Cause you're very passionate about it. And I love that you are Let shouting me, it to the rooftops. I have my little stop line three thing set mm-hmm. up here. Um, so right now I know with line three, I've been very kind of trying to do my best to be behind the scenes and spread awareness for the past month or so. Um, currently people are at the Minnesota Capitol and about 70 arrests, arrests have taken place. Um, so if you go on to my Instagram, which is chaotic witch on, you can find information on how to donate to bail funds um, for supplies, transport, lodging, legal teams, hospital bills, protest supplies. Um, they water protectors are basically defending everyone's right to clean water because line three, if it gets laid, would be at the Mississippi headwaters. Um, if this pipeline spills, it will 100% contaminate over a dozen bodies of water and hundreds upon hundreds of people would not have clean drinking water. Apart from that, they are laying it in treaty land, Anishinaabe treaty territory. Um, it, they legally have no right to be there by the U.S. government, but of course the U.S. government doesn't care about treaties because they suck. Um, so they are violating a treaty. They are laying it on sacred tribe land and um, it's also a call to ask the US government to respect the treaties and the indigenous people that they put in paper had that land, um, as well as clean water. Um, you can also like, I tag people and talk about this stuff every day on my Instagram uh, because right now they're, going, they're, they're dealing with a lot. There's a lot of arrests happening. There's a lot of protests. And if you can't be on the front lines, the next best thing is to keep updated with it. Um, I usually have more things to talk about, but this has been taking up so much of my time and it's so important to me because my friends are there. Um, they are fighting every single day to protest this. Um, and I'm stuck in Colorado, but it, they need all the help they can get. They need people on the ground. Um, they need people to, because they say it's 70 arrests. They're currently down a lot of water protectors. Um, they need donations. So I'm trying to figure out how to do a fundraiser to see if we can get uh, more bail funds for them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my important stuff for right now. I'm very appreciative of that. I, I'm, I'm still kind of amazed and don't understand mm-hmm. how this could be happening with an under under legal treaties that we yeah. have made historically. I, 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 I'm at a loss here. I, the answer took me a while um, and it's genuinely that the US government does not care about the indigenous peoples. Well, the, the thing is, is that, you know, these, we talk a lot about like trying to conceive about how this would happen under legal things but unfortunately it's it's always been happening right especially I know like here in Florida we're on um seminal territory and create there's seminal is a is a monolith that's that's not exactly the individual Mm -hmm. um tribes that are here but unfortunately the seminal nation 
is basically constantly under attack um, yes. by the U.S. government, yeah. and their autonomy is is constantly being questioned and speculated, and and there's all these legal hoops and ladders that the government tries to to beat around. Yes, yeah. and and so unfortunately, you're right. It's it's very much the U.S. government doesn't care. Not only do they they not care, but they are actively trying to uphold capitalism, um, eco-fascism, eco yeah. colonialism, and white supremacy at the expense at the expense of of um, Black, uh, Indigenous, and other people of color, and and our bodies, or their bodies, yeah. so and, and queer bodies as well. So this is something that is like it's always happened throughout history, um, especially in the in the U.S. history. So it, it's unfortunate that we're seeing it enacted so heavily right now. But I also think it's very important that right now we have social media as a tool, which we've never had before. And not only do we have social media as a tool, but we have the upper hand of social media that that breaks news so quickly and information that can be delivered so quickly to people from your phone that you literally have the majority of the world's information at your fingertips. Mm -hmm we've never had that before. So I think it's really admirable and um, really imperative and important for people to, you know, if you can't be at the front lines, continue to do something else about it. If you can't yeah. donate, spread awareness um, and, and constantly being vigilant in, in what you're doing because this not only affects uh, queer bodies, Black bodies, Indigenous yeah. bodies. It affects all of us. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah. Well, while we're on that subject, let's talk about social media. Oh boy, <laughs> here we go. So, yeah. Ooh. So honestly, social media has been amazing when it comes to uh, uh, creating an online witchcraft community. Again, that's like I've said, that's something I never had growing up. Uh, the closest thing I had was Witchfox, and that does not exist anymore. Um, I, I miss Witchfox. I literally what? remember what Witchfox. It was one of the Witchboxes. like original websites that had so many resources where you could find your local comments. Reddit. Uh-huh. Plus, do you know what Meetup is? Yeah. Okay, think Reddit plus Meetup plus Instagram plus like not even Instagram, just like Reddit and and Meetup, but for witches put together. That's crazy, right? I mean, that's a good yeah. way to. It had so many re online resources. Like instead of going to Google and searching everything individually, you go to Witchbox and find all the different subject matters, all the places you could purchase oh, supplies, all yeah. the the areas that gave whatever information they were loosely giving online at the time. That. And it was all done by professional. Uh, by either professional website designers and, and coven groups and people that were really looking to get out information. Mm -hmm. And I have found that now we don't have that anymore, but we do have an abundance of, of other types of social media. Yeah. And, and I want to say, unfortunately, 
you can't always vet the information the same way because usually yeah. if it was on Witchbox, you had the ability to trust it because it didn't come from from just any random person on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. So um, it's that's definitely I think an issue. Witchbox, uh, like the the progenitor of of like Witch Tumblr and all of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've told you this before. I found your TikTok while I was in Karen in, in quarantine. When I was in quarantine. Oh, quarantine. Not quarantine. I want to speak to the manager immediately. <laughs> but I was in quarantine. Um, I fell in love with that. You were so playful uh, uh, with your with your spirituality, and there was there was so many people I kept coming across that just wanted to almost look like they wanted to show off. So I was really appreciative of it. And now you have hit over a million followers. I think that makes the number one, the number one witch creator on TikTok. Is that, is that correct? Uh, I think so. What is it? Does that make you nervous when we ask that? It does does make me nervous. And I think it's because I have to get used to the fact that people don't actually know me they know what I show them and then that like parasocial relationships are a completely new thing for me um and we were just talking about like someone was on a TikTok live talking about my practice and what they didn't understand or why it was weird to them without even knowing me like we've never really even spoken they're not my friend um they don't practice the same thing that I do and it's just such a weird, like people think that they're entitled to ha- to do that. Like they think that they're entitled to talk about my practice in a way that like, I'm their best friend or in like, oh, it's like a weird thing where like they don't, a lot of people don't realize that I'm human. They don't realize that doing that kind of stuff sucks on my end. It's like, why is this person doing this? Um, I have realized over time that a lot of people look at me as, and I'm kind of like a a black mirror. People look at me and they see a reflection of themselves. If they see something in me that they dislike about themselves, then they dislike me. And if they see something in me that they like about themselves, they really, really like me. And that's difficult because it's really just a lot of people making their own assumptions about me people thinking they know all these things about me when they really only know what I show them. Like they don't get a lot of information about me. They get what I decide to put out. And it's not a lot compared to the rest of my life and the people who are actually my friends. Um, And I just, it's really interesting to see the way that plays out. Cause I've had a lot of people be like, think that they know something about me that I'm not telling the internet. And I'm like, no, I don't know you at all and they were like well I know you do this and I'm like no I actually don't do that like that I don't know how you got that information like someone was like thought that me working with Diana was actually me working with Lilith yeah and came on my page and were like tell Lilith I said hi and I'm like I don't work with Lilith and they're like haha sure and I'm like what is going on sure yeah, they were like, I know that you like don't tell, like don't show everything on the internet. Like I have some information that you didn't tell anyone. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. You think you do, but you don't. You think you do. This is the benefit of having a fox spirit as a familiar. When people think they get information on me, it's actually just like far from the truth. And then they're like, 
and then my actual information is safe, um, which is really funny. The whole trickster vibe of wards is very fun to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the kind of, there's just a sense of entitlement to my time, to answers from me, to my attention, to my practice and my personal life that I am still very much getting used to. And I am surrounded by so many loving, supportive people that so very much care about me and understand me and know me. And then there are people outside of that who think they're those people, but they're not. Or they think that they have this information because a spirit told them. And I do think it's funny because they're like, a spirit told me. And I'm like, which spirit, bro? Because I work with one and it's a fox. So he probably lied to you. Like, he got duped. I don't know what to tell you. Like, yee, sorry. Um, But it's, I've become so much more protective over my time, my energy, my space, and my information. Um, As I've continued this, like, you won't see me ever posting my partner anywhere. You won't see me ever talking about my family unless it's just like in very vague context of a conversation I have even like like I said made a private account unfollowed all my family put it on the private account um made sure that they were are are hidden like basically um and then of course magical wording how many words do I have at least 36 there's so many of them which is why I just I take protection super seriously, metaphysically and physical and spiritual and all in every asset aspect of the word. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I've gotten to the point where I can't really pay attention to comments or these people on the internet. Like I've gotten to the point where I really just post and get off. Like I don't have the energy or the time to look at comments or engage with drama or engage with what people are saying about me because most of the time it's not true. And I just need to know that the people who like my content, who have watched me for a long time and the people who know me will know that it's not true. And that's kind of where I'm at is I've, I, and people are like, well, you haven't been like commenting on my stuff. I'm like, I have not been online. I post it, I close the app and I go away for two hours. I, I just I, don't, I can't I, engage. I don't understand. And again, I'll bring it up. My following is considerably smaller than y'all's, but like, it's weird. So I I, I've recently, my follower count has always been like pretty steady and it's growing, but I've run into this thing a couple times within the past few months where people are like being like, Oh, you didn't message me back or, Oh, I didn't like ever you know, I'm just trying to get your attention or something like that. And I'm like, firstly, message me because I basically message everybody back. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I don't live online. I don't live in your cell phone. And also, like, I'm very friendly. And I have made amazing friends online. And Mm -hmm. I have literally, like, very real friend relationships with people on, like, online. Like, Marshall and I, we Mm -hmm. chat every once in a while. I literally am going to go see some friends later this year um, because we met online. But I'm not everybody's friend. And I also don't live on Instagram. And it's weird how people feel like you have to, like, they have this monetization over your time and I don't know so I can't imagine what it's like for for you Frankie I mean I'm I'm sure people are just constantly blowing your shit up 
Olivia and I, who's which the Witch of Wonderlust, have had numerous conversations about this because we have, both have really big platforms. Um, and we just talk about how we we did like a YouTube video recently. It's up on my YouTube channel if anyone wants to watch. But talking about just how both of us can't engage with the comments. We, because it's upsetting a lot of times and it's really overwhelming and it puts us in a bad place. And that's the point where it's like, I have almost completely, like I make content, I post it, done. I can't watch TikTok like I used to. I can't engage in stuff like I used to because of how overwhelming it is for me. And I think a lot of people don't realize the toll that that kind of stuff takes on your mental health. Like I was having really, really severe anxiety and panic attacks for a good couple months when stuff was going on with TikTok. Like, and it would time, like stuff would happen on TikTok and I'd have a, a panic attack. Um, and people don't realize that. They don't realize that your mental health is at stake and it's, you have to, so you have to protect it. Like, cause I, I realized I'm like, I can't keep being disengaged with TikTok because my I will go down into a, I will have a depressive episode. I will have a panic attack. And that's why like this person sent me this video of like this person talking about me on their live. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to block it. And I'm not going to think about it again. Like, I'm not going to deal with that because I don't have the energy to reach out to this person and engage with them when they already feel entitled to my time, my practice, and to talking about me when we're not even friends on a public platform. And that's kind of where I am is I'm like, I just don't have the time of day for those, for people that don't give me the just respect of another human being. Does I remember had sense? a, no, it makes total sense. I, I, yeah. I remember I had a, a comment once that just really stood out to me. It was earlier on too. Mm -hmm. um, and it was so strange because it wasn't even a video that had anything to do with this. And they called me a gatekeeper. And I was just like, I'm sorry, how is this video having anything to do with that? And they responded, oh my God, I can't believe you responded. I don't know. I just said that to get you to write back to me. I swear to God, that pisses me off. Well, I'm not going to do it again now. Now you're blocked. Yeah. I just, <laughs> um, when people will do that. They'll say something really random and you'll be like, sorry, what do you mean by that? And they're like, oh my God, you responded. And I'm like, yeah and I talked like people sometimes are like I didn't realize you would take my comments so personally and I'm like you're commenting on my content on my content that I put hours into um on my page and you're saying something really nasty so why wouldn't I take it personally like they act like you have to be something robotic like just understand that it, it isn't about you when we're human. It's not like that. There are going to be times where we see that stuff and get really upset and take it personally, which is why I never understand some of the things that people on the internet do, especially on witch talk with like drama and talking shit. And I'm like, this is not high school. We're all adults. We're all full-fledged human beings. Why can't we understand these basic kindergarten principles of like, be nice, mind your business. Like, that's it. That's yeah. all you need. And you are, you're good. And I've gotten to the point where like, I just don't give a shit anymore. Like, I just genuinely don't give a shit. I used to care a lot about what goes on on that app. And now I'm just making content for people. And it's doing really well because I've reverted a little bit back into my like fun stuff instead of my more serious content. And I'm really enjoying it because it's easy. It's easy going. People really like it. And it's not a lot of information about me. 
what's the best thing about witchcraft and social media? Uh, community and making friends. That is really just finding the people that you really, really love and bond with um, and going from there. That's it. That's the best part is because I, a lot of my friends are now witches and I met them through social media and I love them with my whole heart. Um, and that's the best part that's come out of it. And then also the book thing was like really cool too, but I'm. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm so, I'm like so happy. I'm, and I know we just spent a lot of time talking about negative things on social media, mm-hmm. but like, I'm also amazed to be here. Yeah. I'm pretty sure most people are aware of my story at this point um, and how I, I started this. And I'm just so thankful that I am immersed in a really cool fucking community i mean it has its setbacks don't get me wrong and i don't see the greater whole of the community i'm in my own little section and i'm that's the best part though the little bubble that i'm very happy i'm very happy i don't want to leave um so yeah it's really cool yeah i think that if we all learned how to be decent human beings social media would be a great place however I am a misanthrope and I do not think that will happen. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any last words of advice for budding content creators who want to break their way into the uh, witch talk world? Genuinely be yourself, like be yourself, be genuine, do what you love and people will love you for it. I've seen people who struggle and they're like, I don't understand why I'm not gaining content. And I'm like, well, are you doing something you love? And they're like, no, I'm doing what everyone else is doing. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. Make shit that you really, you look at and you laugh at. Because if I don't laugh at something that I'm posting, I'm not going to post it because I think it's stupid. I laugh at my content because I'm funny. And I know when I laugh at my content, other people will laugh at my content too. So it's, and also the other thing is if you do want to be a content creator, I do ask you to think very critically about if this is what you want. Because a lot of us didn't end up here by choice. And of course I'm appreciative for it and I love it. And I'm so happy with where I am, but I didn't want this and I didn't plan to end up here. So it's really the question of look at all the pros and cons and say, are you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually prepared for this? Give yourself a serious that serious question before you start making content. <laughs> I don't me. think, I don't think any of us really no, land on it. I like, like I just, it. like I always say, I, I was just a fag with an Instagram. Like that's yeah. all I land on doing. And it, it's, I'm very happy with where it's at now and I'm happy mm-hmm. with the steady growth, but like, I didn't anticipate that. I literally just was like, oh, I'm just going to talk. Because yeah. I didn't have anybody else to talk about with it, my basically my entire life, and and so now I do, you know, and it's really cool. But I, I don't even yeah. think like I didn't plan on it, Marshall. I don't think you plan to get where your stuff is. No. But I, I will say None it's very interesting. Did. I I started on on TikTok. The only reason I made an Instagram in the first place at all was because I thought we were going to lose TikTok. Um, I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be banned in America. So I made the Instagram and started moving stuff over there, like just in case. People loved it. And Instagram is really good. You know, it really is. And all of a sudden I realized, well, fuck, I can actually take this video that has very little information except for what you see in a couple captions. And I can give it a full, I mean, I use 
every character in the majority of my captions that I possibly can, because I want to give as much information as possible. So I actually am now even more in love with Instagram than I am TikTok, but I still use TikTok to make videos because, yeah. you know, the editing content is, is pretty good there. Yeah. I love it. Well, I don't love it. It's a lie. It's I a like the editing style. Yeah. Editing style is great. <sighs> Well, you have been listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok, the wit- or just Witch of Southern Light, or on um, uh, Twitter as Marshall WSL. And I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram. Frankie, thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody you. find you? What's your handle? What's, what's all that? So uh, uh, you can find me under Chaotic Witch on on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And if you want to see me on Twitter, which is just shitposting, it is Aunt Chaotic. Um, You can pre-order my book, Spells for Change, using the link in my Instagram bio or the link in my TikTok bio. Um, And and yeah, that's it. Southern Bramble is a Patreon. Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast, and I would like to thank the top tier of our patrons right now. Mandy Varplus, Aditi Steppens, Timothy, The Witch of Elfane, Pamela Staryak, Nicolette Glixa, The Lady Ghost, Courtney, Key Archambald, and of course, Anastasia Beaverhausen. Thank you so much for your support. 